Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 11th of July, 2020. And the title of the episode is Hide or Fight. The heated debates in the RPG community continue. And I find myself asking, hide or fight? Selfishly, let me start by talking about Geek Native and the sometimes unpleasant business of handling blog comments. First up, I know I'm lucky. There are sites like the Mary Sue who have had absolutely horrible experiences with idiots, racists and sexists when it comes to comments. Geek Native gets a fair share of hate-filled comments and I refuse to approve most of them. If they gain the approval system, then I'll delete them afterwards. The site's approval system isn't hard to game. Geek Native uses the WordPress plugin AskMet to block spam, or try to. And the other rule is that if you've not commented before, your comment doesn't automatically get approved, even if it's spam-free. A two-year-old article always comes to mind when I think about the challenges of comment moderation. The article is, White Wolf just told their alt-right to F off. As you can imagine, it attracted a range of comments. Some comments, huge essays, came from people who identified themselves as neo-Nazis and said that they would never be silenced. Well, guess what? Those comments never saw the light of day. I did not approve them. It turns out, silencing those neo-Nazis was easy, and it was the right thing to do. In that article, which talked about how the dark game sometimes had vampires who are or had been Nazis, had the Creative Commons image of a vampire partially blocking a swastika logo in the background. Also in the comments were people who had a go at me for using that image. They didn't like looking at the swastika. I don't understand it. Don't people watch Indiana Jones and enjoy Indy punching those red armband freaks in the face? Don't they shoot Nazis in games like Wolfenstein or Duke Nukem? I approved those comments despite not understanding the objection. And, in the end, I tweaked the blog post so that that particular image wasn't used as a social media thumbnail. I still don't understand the objection, but making the change didn't cost me anything, and it didn't weaken the point, and it didn't hide the fact that White Wolf had just told the alt-right to F off and get out of the fan community. I hope I handled it right. Since that incident, my rule of thumb on comment moderation is not to approve racist, sexist, or hateful comments, or to refute them, to take the chance to pull apart the often hypocritical and illogical arguments and expose them for what they are. It's the hide or fight decision. Do you fight to make the world a better place? Or in the interests of maintaining safe spaces, do you hide the hate? Are you giving hate a platform if you use a space that you control to refute it? Short answer, I don't know. I can only try and do my best. Now, all this philosophy becomes a bit more relevant to this week's news as we get to the debates around the headlines. First up, on the DMs Guild, some old D&D products now carry a prejudice warning. It reads, We recognise that some of these legacy content available on this website does not reflect the values of the Dungeons & Dragons franchise today. Some older content may reflect ethnic, racial and gender prejudice that were commonplace in American society at that time. These descriptions were wrong then and are wrong today. The content is presented as it was originally created because to do otherwise 
would be the same as claiming that these prejudices never existed. Dungeons & Dragons teaches that diversity is strength, and we strive to make our D&D products as welcoming and as inclusive as possible. This part of our work will never end. Oh boy, how that statement has divided the gaming world into camps. There are those who don't think it goes far enough, and that it's more words rather than actions from Wizards of the Coast. That, at least, is a point of view worthy of debate. There are those who think that the presence of the disclaimer is somehow changing the contents of the books. It does not, and I don't understand why people think there's a debate on that. I saw someone call it a Marxist revision of our gaming history. It is not. It is no revision at all. In fact, Wizards of the Coast have done the opposite. They have used this disclaimer so that no revision will happen. The first edition of the Fiend Folio is one of the downloads with the disclaimer. It's a British book, not an American one, but let's push on. Page 20 of the Fiend Folio is one of the full-page illustrations in the book. It shows crab men attacking an adventuring party. The men are being killed, and the surviving female adventurers are being carrying naked into the caves of the crab men. It doesn't take much imagination to work out what's going to happen in those caves. There's absolutely no way that a modern American publisher would approve that scene today. There's none. Therefore, the statement in the disclaimer is correct. The book absolutely contains content that does not reflect the values of the Dungeons & Dragons franchise today. There's even a petition, which I won't link to as it deserves no publicity, in which someone is demanding that Wizards of the Coast remove the warning and apologise. Why? Because they're worried that the presence of the warning means that people who buy those old books might be considered bigots, racists or monogenists. What rubbish. The content in the book is the same, whether or not the warning is there or not. If those people are worried about being called a bigot or a racist, then starting a petition to get an anti-bigotry statement removed from all books is entirely counterproductive to their concerns. It smacks me of insecurity. No one is coming to take their D&D away from them. No one is making them change any aspect of their lives. This week, Geek Native wrote up stats for a combat wheelchair put together by the professional game designer Sarah Thompson. In the article, I use a picture of an Armin woman in a wheelchair from the game Legend Lore. I also have to make the point that no one is forcing anyone to have wheelchairs in their D&D game. This post also attracted many comments. One person went on a rant about soyboy orcs coming to hug people. I pointed out, in an immediate response to their comment, that if the wheelchair annoyed them that much, then they will not be prepared for the fact that D&D has healing magic. And do you know what? They apologised. They said that 2020 had been a stressful year for them. They said that they would soon start taking antidepressants and asks for the comments to be deleted. I've done so. That conversation is now gone. And in a way, that's a shame, because it would have been an example of how tackling prejudice head-on is sometimes the way to deal with it. And yes, you also have usual people moaning about gender and social justice warriors and masks and revisionists. Really, all for sharing an entirely optional homebrew rules for a chair? Following the White Wolf rule of thumb for comment approval, most just never get approved, not if they've come from somebody who's never posted before. 
If they've done that and they've said something small-minded, then I try and call it out and tackle it. We had that one success, that apology and the retraction. Interaction can be draining and dangerous. Look at what happened to Critical Role. This week, Critical Role had to publish an unofficial response into the claim that they had not paid a freelancer. Once again, the statement has divided people. The summary of the Critical Role response is that they never employed the freelancer. This has been verified by an outside third party. In other words, someone shared with them their experiences and ideas through an interaction, then afterwards tried to build Critical Role for it, or or something similar. We don't quite know the other side of the story, because according to the person in question, those outside investigators that Critical Role hired to look into the issue did not talk to them. Another drama this week that spawns from interacting on social media is the unfortunate situation with game designer Eric M. Lang and his Twitter account. It's been suspended. Twitter won't say why, but there's an obvious suspect. Eric used a third-party tool to block thousands of people. That's against Twitter's terms and conditions. So why would Eric do that? He saw the followers of a known harasser begin to follow him en masse. He knew something unpleasant was brewing, and so took proactive steps to fend it off. Hopefully Twitter will be reasoned with. But there's more. The non-binary game designer, Orion Day Black, hired by Wizards of the Coast, reached the end of their contract and walked from the company without a renewal and with a scathing critique of their time there. In fact, Orion claims their work was stolen. Wizards of the Coast has apologised on Twitter. Right, I'm going to segue into brighter news, and I'm going to use InstaQuest as a bridge. InstaQuest is a new actual play D&D stream that uses mixed reality. In this case, I think the players will be interacting with a giant green screen or similar technology. And in the trailers, they do battle with a sexy and scantily clad succubus. You see, that's proof that you can still have whatever content you want in your D&D games. Another trailer worthy of attention comes from Privateer Press. The War Games Company has announced plans to bring the Iron Kingdom's RPG back. Yep, it will be a Kickstarter. Yep, it will be for D&D 5e. Kickstarter is doing better than we feared during the lockdown. Research from ICO Partners, an agency that helps you self-publish games, shows that Kickstarter tabletop games had a record start to the year. The catch, of course is that those figures include the incredible 13 million raised by Frosthaven. That's the the sequel to Gloomhaven. Overall, at the start of the year, tabletop Kickstarters raised $118 million. Now, to finish up, let's talk about anime. There's been a lot of good new shows, but God of the High School is creating an unusual amount of buzz. I've watched it, I really like the first episode. It's going straight onto the recommendations list. We also had Anime Expo Lite last weekend, which has resulted in a mega thread of trailers on Geek Native. That's a single blog post with over two dozen trailers. Keep safe, keep well, and we'll speak next time.